0: Hello, cat people, and hello, dog people. This is Let's Get For Real, a podcast all about cats and dogs and what they mean to us. I'm Susan Michaels, the creator of the two biggest events in the world celebrating pets and pop culture, CatCon, and cat Art Show. Okay, so on today's episode, we are going to talk about something that has created a flurry of confusion in the pet world for pet owners, CBD, Cannabis and Your Pets. Back in 2018 at CatCon, we did a lecture called Cannabis and Cats, and the reason I decided to do this lecture in the first place was that somebody on my team, when I talked about what I'd heard to be the benefits for cats and cannabis, of which I knew virtually nothing at that point, they said, you want to do a lecture about cannabis and cats? Why do you want to tell people about how to get their cats high? And that was the exact reason Why I felt it was important to do that lecture. I felt as the creator of CatCon that it was really my responsibility to educate and inform the public to the best of my ability with the top experts about what the pros and cons, the misconceptions, and the myths were surrounding cannabis and cats. So, one of the panelists back then was Dr. Gary Richter, and he is with me here today to talk on Let's Get For Real, about those misconceptions. He's based up in Northern California in Oakland, where he runs Montclair Vet Hospital and Holistic Vet Care. And he's also the author of The Ultimate Pet Health Guide. He has long been interested in combining Western medical care with holistic treatments. And he's also certified in veterinary acupuncture as well as veterinary chiropractic. I asked him to explain what cannabis does for our beloved pets.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. And, you know, I think when we look at cannabis for pets, you know, there's just a couple of realities that we just need to establish right off the bat. You know, number one is that all pets and essentially all animals have an endocannabinoid system. So what that means as a practical matter is that there is the potential for cannabis to have positive medical benefits in animals. That said, there is an awful lot that we do not know. In fact, the research into the medical use of cannabis in dogs and cats is is very much at its early stages. You know, you can pretty much count on two hands how many scientific studies have been published recently on the topic. That said, the studies that have been published are very encouraging from both a safety and an efficacy standpoint. Uh, As it pertains to dogs, we have studies looking at both arthritis, as well as seizures and more are coming, there will uh, hopefully be clinical trials for cats as well. But you know, the bottom line with cannabis is, is I look at cannabis or medical cannabis in the same way that I would look at any pharmaceutical, which is, this is something that can be helpful. This is also something that potentially can cause problems if it is not used properly. Uh, meaning not used in the right case, not used in the right animal, not used at an appropriate dosage, or, and this is something that happens quite frequently, or if it is used instead of some other accepted and known effective treatment that should have been used, but but cannabis was used instead. So despite what you read on the internet, it's not the cure for everything. Nothing is, but there is an enormous amount of potential if cannabis is used responsibly in animals.
0: Going back to 2018, when you joined us, that was right after there had been, a, I believe a, a bill had been launched or something. It had been launched actually on 420. From what I recall, it was a bit of an educational opportunity for the public at large, at least in California.
1: Sure. So. You know, a number of years ago, uh, the Veterinary Medical Board in California, so the the body that effectively governs all veterinary professionals in California, let the veterinary profession know that if we if we said anything about the use of cannabis as medicine uh, with regards to our patients to pet owners, we were putting our license at risk. I mean, it was nuts, and and this happened. Right about the time that recreational cannabis became legal in California. So here we have these sort of this confluence of events where all of a sudden cannabis is broadly available to anyone over the age of 21 in the state of California. And what that means as a practical matter is people are going to start giving it to their pets as medicine, uh, whether your veterinarian likes it or they don't. And right at the same time, the Veterinary Medical Board tells us that if we say anything, they might take our license away. Uh, so that, that really uh, was the initiative behind getting this bill, uh, which was termed AB 2215, introduced. It did ultimately pass. So AB 2215 is now law, uh, and that law allows veterinarians to discuss the use of cannabis with pet owners Uh, There is another bill that is uh, pending before the legislature now that would take it one step further and allow veterinarians to, quote, recommend the use of cannabis. Now, you don't want to get into the, the weeds, so to speak, as far as the differences between discuss and recommend. But the bottom line is, is that is that we're getting a lot closer to a place where veterinarians can be comfortable having these conversations with pet owners basically functioning in exactly the same way that physicians in California have been operating since 1996. Uh, so there's no reason why veterinarians should not have the same, the same rights, uh, as physicians. Now, the thing to realize is, is all of this is largely a state by state. issue, Right, right. Because cannabis in the broader sense is still federally illegal. Uh, so the only places where it is legal are states that have gone out of their way to create either medical and or recreational cannabis laws that allow this, Uh, that, you know, the question of hemp based CBD, which I'm happy to talk about is a little bit of a different situation legally speaking, but in the broader sense, medical cannabis is a state to state issue. And that is something that, that both myself and uh, a number of veterinary professionals are working on really creating sort of a grassroots effort in various states to try and get similar laws passed in those states to protect veterinarians and pet owners.
0: We've seen this deluge of pet CBD companies come to the forefront and going to pet expos and trade shows, whether it's pet related or not, it seems to be the number one fastest growing industry by a landslide. You know, I managed to get a number of questions from people that I wanted to pose to you. Sure. And, you know, one of the biggest questions came from a longtime Cat Connor. If people feel or have talked to their vet or talked to their friend and say, my kitty has arthritis, I want to try out some CBD products on, on her. Where do they go? Do they go to their vet? Do they go to a dispensary? Do they go to Amazon? Where do we get the medical grade, the right stuff?
1: Right. That really is the question. How is your average pet owner supposed to be able to differentiate what they're buying, what quality they're buying? And it's a, it's a very difficult landscape in that sense. I mean, in truth, it's not all that different than the entire nutritional supplement landscape, both for veterinary and for humans, in the sense that there's no government oversight here. You know, if you buy a bottle of vitamins for yourself off the shelf, there's no government agency that's making sure that that company is putting in that bottle what they say they are on the label. So the entire supplement market, to be quite honest, is very much a buyer beware neighborhood. And that's something that people just need to be aware of. And, and and you know, sort of the old adage, you know, of, uh, you know, when you buy cheap, you get cheap is very much true when it comes to supplements and, and particularly these days when it comes to CBD because CBD is a somewhat expensive product to produce. Thus, if you're buying a product that seems, you know, inexpensive compared to a lot of other ones, then it's possible that what you're buying is just not very concentrated. So you're not gonna be giving a really effective dose, or it could be that you're buying a product that's just falsely labeled. And you know, they may say there's a certain number of milligrams in a dose of CBD, but there isn't. As it pertains to like, where does somebody go? Uh, you know, you have a number of options. I mean, my first recommendation to people would always be to go speak with your veterinarian, if that is something that your veterinarian is willing to talk with you about. Depending on where you live and who your veterinarian is, that may or may not be the case. But if you're fortunate enough to have a veterinary professional in your area that will actually have that conversation with you, that's that's your ideal situation. You know, beyond that, if you're going to go to a dispensary, then most likely what you're looking at is you're looking at a product that has some degree of THC in it. It may not have much compared to to CBD, but that's a really important thing to realize because as soon as you cross that line into giving a product with THC, you do have to start thinking about chances of toxicity, chances of intoxication, chances of problems. And that's when you have to be a little bit more careful about calculating a dose. And with all due respect to people that work in, in cannabis dispensaries, They are not qualified medical professionals, and I would not trust somebody that works over the counter in a dispensary to be handing out medical advice, either by virtue of product for an animal or or specific dosing. Similarly, when you go online, whether it's Amazon or somewhere else, or you go to your local pet store, again, how are you supposed to know what to buy? And, and this is difficult because, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in this market. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, the market is flooded. And my suggestion to people would be a couple things. You know, number one, you want to stick with some more of the kind of major, more reputable type brands. I'm going to try and avoid naming brands specifically here because okay. I think that's a not a good place for me to go. But there are very well-established reputable brands of CBD for animals out there. So that's number one. Number two, you should always either through the company's website or by calling the company, you should always get what's called a certificate of analysis or sometimes what's called a COA. A COA is a laboratory analysis of what's in the bottle of medicine that you're buying. Any high quality cannabis product should come with a COA. And, you know, my experience is companies that are doing this kind of work they they will brag about their COA and about how great it looks. So whether or not they're putting that uh, on their website, uh, whether or not, you know, if you call them, they'll say, oh yeah, we'll happily email that to you. You know, my experience with high quality cannabis producers is if you start asking them questions like that, the good ones will not let you off the phone because they're so excited to tell you about how great their product is and all the wonderful things that they're doing to make sure their product is high quality. The ones that get cagey and dodgy about information is the ones that you probably want to take a pass on. Uh, But like I say, at, at the end of the day, it is very much a buyer beware neighborhood.
0: Yeah, people have even asked me, well, if it's medical CBD, can I, and it's for me, can I give it to my pet? And I always tell people, I said, you've got to talk to your vet and they say, well, my vet doesn't want to talk to me about it. My vet doesn't feel comfortable about it. I mean, even my personal experience, my previous vet, I have a, a an elderly kitty who is 15, and she says she's arthritic. We well, should try glucosamine. And I said, well, what about CBD? And she's like, I can't comment on that, but if you try it out, let me know how it goes. <laughs> that leaves me nowhere except to go onto yeah. the internet and to ask opinions of people and I'm not gonna go into a chat group and do something like that. I'm gonna go with my friends who have animals with similar situations and go by word of mouth. And that scares me because I don't know how to give the proper dose to my pet. I, I don't know sure. give me the information that could be accurate or inaccurate, and that's too scary. So I'm gonna err on the side of no altogether. You know, yeah. I- and-, and so I-, I just feel that there's so many people in that position and it's not a one product fits all. It does not supplant proper medications and things like that. But, you know, it's sort of, sort of such uncharted territory.
1: Well, I, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's tricky. And, and, you know, the scenario that you lay out is that's really the problem is that consumer demand and product availability has outpaced both the legal situation and where the profession is as a whole. I mean, and that's an enormous problem. Uh, you know, that is why both myself and, you know, and a lot of people like me have been pushing not only our state governments, but also our various associations, for example, the, the American Veterinary Medical Association, the AVMA, uh, you know, we've been pushing the AVMA to adopt a policy on this. And, 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 you know, this is kind of one of these things where, you know, these, these, these larger associations or larger regulatory agencies, everybody's af- afraid to be the one to stick their neck out and say that it's okay. Because then they're worried about, you know, some animal's going to get hurt and then somebody's going to look at them and go, well, this is your fault because you said it was okay. Unfortunately, the backside of that is, is if they, if they sit on their hands and do nothing, then animals are going to get hurt because people are treating without veterinary advice. It's a problem. But at the end of the day, providing pet owners with reliable advice from trained medical professionals has to be the way to go. You know, to some of the other things that you brought up in principle, CBD is CBD, whether or not it's in a, it's in a human product or an animal product. Um, but again, you know, just like many of the pharmaceuticals that I use in my practice are actually ultimately made for humans, but we use them in animals. It's a question of understanding what the dosing is. You can't just like pretend like your dog is a small person and dose them with medication like that. It doesn't work. You know, in fact, there's a saying in veterinary medicine, even between dogs and cats, The saying is, is that cats are not small dogs. You can't dose a cat like a little dog. It just doesn't work that way. You have to understand this. And this is really, this is kind of the tragedy that we're in right now is there's all these people out there that are, that are really looking for this information. They should be getting it from their veterinarians and veterinarians, you know, some of it's pushback from individual veterinarians, but quite frankly, a lot of it is veterinarians that are just concerned about their license and their livelihood you know, I don't hold that against veterinarians. If, if their governing agency is saying, you know what, if you do this, we're going to take your license. I don't blame a veterinarian for being reticent to have that conversation. I mean, it kind of comes back to, we have to affect change at both a local state and federal level to do this.
0: You know, I want to go back to something that you just said about uh, a cat is not a small dog. One of the questions that had come in was somebody said that they saw products mainly for dogs and less for cats?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's just sort of lay it out on the table. Dogs are a bigger market, money wise. Right. I, I mean, that's the case with other supplements. That's the case with pharmaceuticals. You know, it's pretty common to see new pharmaceuticals come out for dogs. You don't see that happen as frequently with cats because, generally speaking, the companies don't want to spend the kind of money. That it's going to take to get product labeling for a cat, because it takes a lot longer for them to recoup their, you know, their their investment.
0: Half the population of the United States that have pets have cats now, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's close. It's sort of I know it's sort of neck and neck.
1: Yeah, but the the reality of it is is people spend more money on their dogs than they do on their cats, and that is very clearly because cats are real good at making it look like everything's fine. They're very self-sufficient. You look at your cat and you're like, oh, he's fine. You look at your dog and they give you those sad eyes and you're like, oh my God, I have to do something. So, you know, so, so there's that aspect of it as well. But to your point, um, you know, in principle, there's no reason why these hemp-based cannabis products that are made for dogs cannot be used in cats. It's just a question of appropriate dosing and, uh, and responsible use. One thing I would like to say at the at the risk of uh, a little bit of self-promotion. My book uh, that, that is available has an entire chapter on medical cannabis for dogs and cats, and it has very specific dosing instructions and even will walk you through how to calculate out a dose. Uh, the book is called The Ultimate Pet Health Guide.
0: What was the catalyst or the turning point when you, you've been a veterinarian for many years that you decided to go into this part of your profession?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I've been practicing integrative medicine for a very long time. And, and really what that means is, is I practice both Western medicine as well as holistic medicine. So acupuncture, chiropractic, herbal therapy, hyperbaric oxygen, and so on and so on. So I'm always somebody that's on the lookout for what else is out there that I can use to help my patients.
0: That's my kind of doctor.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, I mean, one of the things that I found a very, very long time ago is there is a lot out there that is very, very scientifically valid as far as medicine goes, that goes beyond the scope of what I was taught in veterinary school. Um, And that's, that's, that's in no way a knock on my veterinary education. It was excellent. There's only so much they can teach you in four years, after which you're kind of on your own and it's up to you. So, you know, I've sort of made it my sort of professional passion to keep looking for things that are scientifically valid and effective, uh, that can help my patients. And, you know, I mean, because of that, and because of living here in the San Francisco Bay area, you know, I think cannabis becoming part of that discussion was an inevitability. Um, you know, there were so many people that were coming into the office asking about it. It was just something that I really had to look at. Uh, and really when, when I first started doing that investigation, there was nothing out there as it pertained to cannabis and animals. Um, It was really just a question of looking at what we knew from a laboratory setting or what we knew from people and taking that information and and adapting it for, for appropriate use in pets. Fortunately, it's much, much easier for people now.
0: When was that?
1: It was about, I would say, five or six years ago. Got it. So not that long.
0: And I mean, it just seems again, it just seems so e- explosive when I brought that idea to the table to talk about it at CatCon in 2018, the comments that we got from people were just through the roof. People yeah. just are hungry for appropriate knowledge and information. Yes. And, and um, you know, that's part of why I, I launched this this podcast is to be able to inform people and, and keep them up to date with the latest things that keep our little fur babies happy and healthy all along the way. So, okay, I have a few more questions for you. Sure. You know, one of my kitty influencers asked, they have a cat that's 20 years old. He's known, known as the Klaus cat. And um, they wanted to know, what are the benefits for senior pets? Perhaps questions about relief, from pain caused by diminished mobility and flexibility. That's the first question. Because this cat is amazing. He's 20. He looks like he's 7. He's fit. Mm-hmm. He's very healthy, but he's, you know, moving a little slower.
1: Sure. So again, I mean, what we know definitively from a research perspective in cats is is somewhat limited, but I can tell you that cannabis and CBD in particular has been shown to be effective in treating dogs uh, with osteoarthritis. Uh, you know, cannabis has been used for a very, very long time in people, uh, not only for arthritis, but various other forms of pain. There's every reason to believe that it will work the same in cats. And I will tell you on a personal level, I have seen it work well, um, in arthritic cats. So, you know, if we look at the kinds of things that, you know, older cats experience, clearly one of them is going to be aches and pains. And I do think that cannabis has, uh, has a role to play there, particularly in cats, because as you know, I mean, from a pharmaceutical perspective, treating cats for chronic pain is really tough because they don't do well with a lot of the medications that you would say treat a dog with. And there is, there is literally not, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug that is approved for long-term use in cats in this country. So for example, you may be familiar in dogs, there's drugs like Rimadil, Medicam, uh, what have you that, that are chronic, you know, that are used long-term for arthritis control. You can't do that in a cat. Uh, the FDA has made it very clear that that's not okay. So, So, you know, as a veterinarian, I mean, I have very limited options as far as what I can offer people on the pharmaceutical side. Uh, as it pertains to pain control for an older cat, so cannabis becomes a you know something that we very commonly discuss. But going beyond that, older kitties, so um, gastrointestinal related things, cannabis can be valuable for. If there's any kind of anxiety or sort of unsettledness that older cats are experiencing, sometimes CBD can be beneficial for that. Uh, so I mean, there's a there's a lot of potential applications.
0: That was the second part of his question which was what are benefits for cats with digestive issues such as maybe colitis?
1: I have seen cannabis uh, work well for cats with uh, colitis or various forms of inflammatory bowel disease. To be clear, I don't think that I would necessarily use it as a standalone treatment, but uh, I treat a lot of dogs and cats with, with chronic digestive issues. And as you and your your listeners are undoubtedly aware from a, from a medical perspective, A lot of these animals wind up on drugs like prednisone metronidazole other kinds of really strong pharmaceuticals you know in my experience you can get a lot of these animals off the pharmaceuticals or at the very least on significantly lower doses of pharmaceuticals with the use of appropriate diet appropriate nutritional supplementation with the use of cannabis uh, which can be beneficial both from an inflammation standpoint uh, you know from a digestion perspective uh, from a sympathetic parasympathetic balance perspective. So there's a lot of application there, uh, gastrointestinally speaking.
0: Okay. I have another question from somebody that runs Milo Sanctuary, which is the biggest special needs animal sanctuary in Los Angeles or in Southern California, actually. Um, there's two questions. I'll give you the, the first one, which is, um, what effect does CBD have on animals with severe anxiety issues?
1: you know, again, we don't, we don't have that information from, uh, from a research perspective at this point, but I can tell you from personal experience, from just seeing patients on, on CBD, uh, a lot of them respond very well to CBD to help with anxiety. You know, now one thing that I, that I always tell pet owners, and this is, you know, it's not just a CBD issue. Um, but this is true for any supplement that you might use for anxiety, and it's also true for any pharmaceutical that you might use for anxiety, and and that is that medication or supplements are not going to fix this problem. Uh, you know, think about it through the lens of a person with an anxiety disorder. You cannot, as a general rule, medicate that anxiety disorder away. Uh, the medication is helpful from the standpoint of it it helps that person or helps that animal get to a place where they're in a better headspace to where they can they can accept behavioral adjustments and behavioral changes so like from a human perspective what that means is they're going to therapy from an animal's perspective it's more of a training and a behavioral desensitization issue so for example a dog with separation anxiety There's absolutely nothing that I could put a dog on for separation anxiety where I would say, give him this and it's going to be fine. It just doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, you just can't medicate that kind of stuff away. But if you give that along with appropriate training, a lot of times you can really make a lot of headway with these guys.
0: The other part of the question from Milo Sanctuary is, does CBD help with motion sickness while traveling?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, not that I am aware of, um, can't say that I've ever had somebody tell me that they used it for that purpose. Um, I'm not sure that I'm even aware of too many people who have used it for that purpose. So I would say probably not with the possible exception of if you're talking about like one of these dogs that you put them in a car and they're getting all torqued up and all nervous to the point where they're so freaked out, then they're gonna throw up. I mean, if you can calm them down a little bit, then maybe you can improve that situation. But you know, as a sort of, as a primary treatment for motion sickness, I would say probably not. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Like your your dog's getting freaked out. So it's more of the anxiety issue. You know, somebody else asked about, could you define what full spectrum CBD is?
1: That's a really awesome question and it's interesting the way that question was posed because full spectrum cbd is it's kind of a contradiction in terms. So cbd is a molecule. It is a single molecule that is one of many many molecules that is produced by the cannabis plant. You know, cbd is present in hemp, cbd is present in what is legally defined as as, as marijuana. Uh, you know, other compounds, THC, various terpenes, other cannabinoids, et cetera. Uh, So like I say, CBD is just one compound kind of like, you know, equating CBD to cannabis is a little bit like saying vitamin C and an orange are the same thing. It's just, there's a relationship there, but they're not the same. There there are these terms that get thrown around full spectrum, broad spectrum. Essentially what that means is, uh, so when you take a cannabis plant, And you are going to extract components from it. Um, And generally speaking, what that means is all of the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the antioxidants, the flavonoids, et cetera. When you do that extraction, if you're keeping everything that you have extracted out of that plant in your medicine, that is something that would be termed full spectrum. So that is the full accounting of everything that you could squeeze out of that plant. Uh, whereas the term broad spectrum is a little bit more narrow in the sense of, so if I'm going to do that extraction, but I'm going to, I'm going to let certain things go in the process. For example, I don't feel like the terpenes are important, but I want to keep all the cannabinoids. So I have all the cannabinoids, but I no longer have the naturally occurring terpenes. That is something that would be referred to as broad spectrum. So the next thing down that on that sort of hierarchy is what we would term an isolate. So it is also possible to do that extraction and say, I only want the CBD. So through various chemical methods, you can basically extract and isolate pure CBD out of that plant. That would be a CBD isolate. Um, so, so again, full spectrum, broad spectrum, isolate are kind of the three major terms. So I think with that information, you can see how how, and I'm sure there are companies out there that are using this term, but when they say something like full spectrum CBD, that actually kind of contradicts itself a little bit, um, uh, but I think it is very important for people to understand the difference and just speaking, speaking generally, uh, I think it is always better whenever possible that you get a full spectrum product as opposed to broad spectrum or an isolate.
0: You know, the other question I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, I've heard many times about the effects of CBD in terms of helping with seizures.
1: So I'll tell you what we know. Um, There is definitely information out there in the scientific literature uh, to show that CBD and various forms of cannabis can be beneficial uh, for the treatment of seizures in humans. Uh, That is absolutely something that's done. And it's interesting. There's one very, very uh, fascinating study where they looked at the various types of CBD products that were being used. And what they found was is that the, uh, getting back to the question of earlier, what they found was is that the broad spectrum or the full spectrum products were more effective, were uh, able to be used at lower dosages and had fewer side effects than the CBD isolates. So it's not really just about CBD as a molecule, it's about sort of the broader picture of cannabis. Um, That said, uh, there has been one study uh, out of Colorado state, looking at, uh, the treatment of seizures in dogs. Um, and, uh, the study found that there, that there was an improvement, uh, in some of the dogs that were treated, uh, not quite frankly, really as dramatic an improvement as perhaps I think we all would have liked there to have been. Uh, I think that brings up the question of maybe it's a question of dosing. Maybe it's a question of, of product that was used. Um, But I think the bottom line is, and I can sort of speak from experience just from pets that I have seen on cannabis for seizures, there are animals out there that do significantly better, sometimes even have seizures completely resolve on cannabis. But I think seizures and epilepsy are kind of a microcosm of the larger picture that we're talking about in the sense that there is no one size fits all treatment for dogs or cats with seizures. This is also true for people that's why there's such a broad spectrum of anti seizure pharmaceuticals because not all of them work the same in every person or every animal similarly for cannabis for other supplements it's always a question of finding the right combination of things for that individual but to in short to answer your question yes there is a potential benefit there
0: you know we see such a variety of options for humans you know gummies tinctures you know, uh, cookies, everything like that. Does it matter what form it comes in, in terms of the strength or the ability to get it into your pet?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, the practicalities of getting any medication or supplement into a pet is always something that you have to consider. Um, As I frequently tell people, like, I can send you home with the best supplements in the world, but if you can't get them in your cat or your dog, then what's the point? My personal preference, as far as sort of product format is always going to be an oil and I like that for two reasons Uh, I, I suspect although I can't prove this that they're probably absorbed a little bit better but the other thing about using a liquid is liquids are very easy to modulate the dose. If I say that the dose is one milliliter and we feel like the dog needs a little bit more the cat needs a little more I can say give it one and a quarter milliliters. If we're talking about using treats that becomes a much more difficult thing because we don't really know for certain whether or not, for example, the CBD in that treat is evenly distributed throughout the treat. So if you cut that treat into quarters, we don't really know for sure what you're actually giving at that point. So liquids from just as a practical matter of dosing are always easier to manage.
0: Yeah, I, my dog that I had before, the one I have now, I had given her the oil, but she just was repulsed by the smell. How do I get it into them?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, that, and that's always an issue. I mean, just the real world issues of administration is is a thing. And, you know, uh, I think what people find is that some products have different tastes or smells than others, which has a lot to do with what compounds are in them. It also has to do uh, to an extent with what the carrier oil is. So, for example, almond oil versus coconut oil. I've seen ones that are actually using fish oil. So, so there's, you know, there's a big sort of difference palatability wise there. Another thing that you can do is if you, if you can get a fairly concentrated product so that the volume of liquid that you're giving is fairly minimal, a lot of times what you can do is you can put that dose on your finger and just rub it on their gums, lift up a lip, rub it on their gums and you're out. So they don't actually have to, you don't have to get a dropper in them per se, or conversely, um, you can try and mix it in with something that's really tasty for them, something that's really strong smelling, like canned tuna, canned salmon, what have you, something something that's going to cover it up.
0: Okay, the big question, is it possible to overdose with CBD with your pets?
1: Um, I will tell you that there, there is no evidence out there that there is a toxic dose of CBD for animals. Uh, some of the research they had, we have would indicate that, that at high doses, some animals had, uh, they might've shown signs like some GI upset or, or elevations in liver enzymes that went back down after the dosing was stopped. Nothing really super serious. There's always the chance of an individual animal having what we would call an idiosyncratic reaction, like, like some sort of weird unexpected reaction. That's true with anything, any drug, any supplement. Uh, any individual can react any way they 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 full well please. But as a general rule, CBD is extremely safe.
0: I mean, it sounds like it really goes back to treating the individual. Always. It's not just, oh, all dogs can have this, all cats can have this, and and just like all humans can have this, you know? Um,
1: if that was the case, I would have no job.
0: This is true, this is true. Um, Can you offer up some resources um, for the audience in terms of places they can go to get more information?
1: Sure. My book is a good resource. I also have a uh, a website where we provide a lot of information about holistic and integrative medicine, cannabis included, much of it free. The website is called mypetthrives.com. So that is certainly something that people can look at as well. And it's a little premature, but, but since you asked, I will bring it up. Um, there is an organization that I am part of the formation of. It is called the Veterinary Cannabis Society. It's a national nonprofit organization that uh, our mission is, number one, to educate both professionals and pet owners, and number two, to promote a legislative agenda to allow veterinarians to become part of the discussion as it pertains to medical cannabis. We are literally in our infancy. Uh, The website, quite frankly, is not even up yet. It will eventually be veterinarycannabissociety.org and that'll be a great uh, resource for people to look at also.
0: In terms of where we're headed with CBD, sort of the next frontier, um, is this the sort of thing that we're gonna see in supermarkets? Are we going to see it infused into mainstream pet food lines?
1: You know, in, in, in terms of the crystal ball, um, I'll tell you what I think, um, for whatever that's worth. Um, I think that ultimately, uh, the relaxation of laws as it pertains to CBD and cannabis more broadly on the federal sense is is inevitable, because I think that the people of this country are going to demand it. So I think eventually you will see you will see more and more products out there. You will see more FDA approved pharmaceuticals containing cannabis, whether it's CBD or THC that will happen over time. At present, there's basically one, um, that has FDA approval. Um, but there are a lot of companies that are doing the research essentially to get to that, that bar that the FDA requires, uh, in order for them to be approved pharmaceutical products. There's always gonna be this this differentiation between an FDA approved pharmaceutical and a supplement. So there's always gonna be these quote over the counter CBD products out there, whether or not there's gonna be sort of more stringent regulation to these products. On a personal level, I kind of hope that there is um, because I think that there's a lot of unsavory people out there that are just looking to make a quick buck. As to your food question, That is a very, very different question. There is a very specific list of approved ingredients that you can put in animal food. Not surprisingly, CBD is not on that list. Um, It takes an awful lot to get something on that list. There are people out there that are looking to get um, hemp products. So whether it's hemp seed or hemp as a food product added to the list of um, approved animal food ingredients, But as far as like saying like a dog food that's going to say now with added CBD, uh, probably not any time in the foreseeable future.
0: It sounds like from the beginning of our conversation, we're already there as far as the demand. It's just that the various approvals and the information can be sparse.
1: Yes, the, uh, the wheels of power move slow.
0: Yes, bogged down in bureaucracy. Amen to that. Well, guys, that is it for this episode of Let's Get For Real with Dr. Gary Richter. You can check out his book, The Ultimate Pet Health Guide. You can get it on Amazon. And as far as Let's Get For Real, you can find us online and on social at Let's Get For Real. And we want to hear from you and see how your pets are doing. Please email us at hello at let'sgetforreal.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Our team includes Avishai Artsy, Roxana Dunlop, and me, Susan Michaels. Be well, take care of your pets, and give them an extra
1: snuggle today.